I've never been to a jungle. I'd like to go, but I worry about bugs and panthers, but mostly bugs, because I feel confident in my ability to scare off a large predator by banging on a pan or explaining the state of the U.S. election to them. But bugs don't care. Bugs are small and thrive even in darkness. There is no amount of screening, netting, or lotion that would make me feel okay around bugs. And if those bugs have wings, oh no, we're done. I've said it before, I'm a very open person, and I like knowing that animals are around, but there are whole parts of this world that I'm just going to skip in this lifetime on account of my aversion to the creepy crawlies. I'm a Libra, so I've set myself up to be comfortable and then anxious about that going away, but then easily comforted again by my abundant comfort. When my slippers are right where they're supposed to be when I wake up in the middle of the night to eat a square of tofu from the mini-fridge or to tiptoe through the white noise machine cords to make sure that Galinda's still breathing, that's the stuff, man. Things have a place, and they should stay there. Flying bugs? Chaos. I respect that they have a role to play, and without them we are surely doomed, but I bet my interacting with them is not the make or break it for the rainforest. So here's to keeping our distance from things that we know make us feel awful. And here's to chasing our joy. Something we do regularly here from inside the Deep Night. Hello, friends. It's me, Dale Seaver. And you once again honor me by allowing me to be your guide, companion, and fellow traveler through this next hour of regrets and revelations we call the Deep Night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And oh, the Gowanus is full of potential this eve. Having never fully frozen over the warm winter months, all of its oils are coming to the surface. It's made itself shiny in an attempt to attract a mate. Now, we hope that doesn't happen, but if it does, well, Gowanus babies will no doubt supplant Yoda babies as the next big thing. Imagine their cute little heads full of a hundred barely functioning eyes. Ha! Huh, a fella can dream. I would love to update you with the many goings and comings in my personal life, friends, I would, but the fact of the matter is that I've just been so busy flying to various wellness conferences and aiding Galinda in running her many workshops around the country in Chicago, Miami, Providence, I'm weary. I've cupped so many backs and lugged so many massage tables through public transit. I know two things. There's not many surfaces in LaGuardia that I have not touched with some part of my person, and, B, there's no louder sound in the universe than a cell phone hitting the floor of an airplane. And that happens every flight. Which is why I've started offering pocket tape to my seatmates. For a buck or so, I'll pull a section of extra strong tape and seal their phone pockets for them, or tape their phones to their forearms. People really seem to love it. And I make a little spending cash. <laughs> Galinda never has to know about that, though. Now, as far as this virus goes, oh, oh, friends, I am concerned. Listen to how much travel I've been doing. Oh, my goodness. You can hear the fear in my voice. But I do feel a vague sense of confidence only because of one thing. The answer to feeling secure was there all along for those of us at the turtle swap. And indeed, any turtleneck enthusiast... A turtleneck has a built-in face mask. You see someone coughing on the subway? Pull up. See someone sneezing at the communal men's room sink at Penn Station? Pull up and be safe. Now, could we start seeing medical filters lining those T-necks? Depends on how bad this gets. I would argue for that to be uh, made very soon. But for now, a regular old neck sleeve will do. And again, I'm not a doctor, just a wellness advocate and podcast host with a suboptimal following on Twitter. So yes, I think you can take medical advice from me. Now on to our guest. Oh, our wonderful guest today, Katie Barbaro. And first, a disclaimer here. Whenever I meet someone who is as open as Katie is, a person whose receptors are dialed all the way up, I can feel myself rushing to tell them everything going on in my own life. And that may have uh, started to happen, <laughs> where I suddenly feel like I can just unload all of these old pin-up ghosts that I carry around with me, banging around on my insides. 
So I acknowledge that, and I may have done that, and I thank Katie for her receptiveness and for sharing some very personal stuff of her own. Having never met Katie before, uh, Katie and I quickly bonded, and I don't think we broke eye contact once during this entire conversation, if that gives you a sense of the intensity with which we were present for each other, and we talk about our shared issues around body image and eating disorders. We talk about a person's journey, which sometimes, like in past conversations with guests, are very linear and surprisingly straightforward, and sometimes is something quite different, more fragmented, and less direct. But ultimately, Katie has emerged doing exactly what she was meant to do, and her mode of being active on many fronts means there's lots to get into. So let's do that now. Settle in, grab your ayahuasca chalice or perhaps a nice pine tips boba tea, and let's tune into my conversation with comedian, author, coach, person, Katie Barbaro. Katie Barbaro, how are you? Hi, Dale. I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Dodging the virus here and there, washing hands, being very uh, conscious of touching my face uh, and touching every surface that I do throughout the day. Yes, it is so comforting to be in this plastic bag with you (laughs) that we are each individually in. (laughs) Indeed. Now, uh, we will never leave, so... (laughs) No, this is it. This is... I'm ready to bunker with you. (laughs) That's good. Well, welcome to the deep night. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Uh, uh, Social media is a kind of a strange beast, right? It's weird, and sometimes we only know someone through social media, and and that's the case today uh, with us. Right. Uh, Perhaps it's a one-way thing, too. (laughs) I don't know. But, uh, see, I knew about you as a comedian, as a performer, a storyteller. You you were out there on the scene. And then uh, uh, you went away. You weren't out there as much. And I'm doing my favorite pastime of, of uh, instead of um, watching TV, I just watch the Instagram stories. Of course, me too. And all of a sudden, you pop up, and you're in a jungle somewhere. And it looks like you're having a, some kind of a, would it be safe to say, spirit quest. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in that life is a spirit quest. Sure, yes. We're yes. all on a journey of, of one kind or another. Uh, so, but I was uh, fascinated by this, and that's uh, all of a means uh, to set up. I, I'd love to know about what uh, what was the spark for this trip, what encouraged it, and, and what was the transformational aspect to it. Thank you for those great questions, Dale. I'm going <laughs> to— I'll sit back, you, you go. You sit back, and I go for an hour. <laughs> well, great questions. Well, as you know, as you mentioned, I was here in New York. This was this was my spirit quest at a certain point in my life, right? I I grew up in LA yes. and then I moved to New York to pursue comedy. And that was such a huge transformation for me going from doing all the things I thought I was supposed to do, like get my master's degree and work in work full time but do improv nights and weekends and it was overwhelming. What was the what was the career part of that? I mean the the uh, job part. Um, so I'm an occupational therapist. That uh-huh. was my when I was like, I want to be an actor. And my parents were like, Great, get a backup plan. <laughs> you you, you like, need the second piece to that. Yes. Which is the income stream. Exactly. Uh, until the other catches up. Right. It's yeah. all about catching up. Exactly. And and so. I, I don't mean to break in too many times here, but occupational therapist means uh, you do what? You go to their job? That's a great question, Dale. Thank you. <laughs> I get that a lot. It's actually it's more similar to physical therapy, the word occupational mm-hmm. refers to um, an occupation as in something that occupies your time. Okay. So we think about it a little differently, but essentially we're focused on helping people live meaningful lives. And there's a lot of different practice areas, but I work mostly in pediatrics. Oh. Um, so working with kids who have autism or developmental delays or something that keeps them from fully participating as a child in their environment. So I got it. Okay. Play, school stuff. Yeah, we do a lot of, uh, it's very individualized, which I love. I love the career of occupational therapy, but it's one of those things where there's, I feel like we all have like this menu of like choose your own adventure Yeah. in life, right? And there's a lot of paths that would be really fun and good like we'd be really good at a lot of different things and then there are those paths that are like oh but that's the path that wants me to follow it and so occupational therapy for me was one of the things that fits really well with me and who I am but it wasn't quite 
on the nose. Like, wasn't quite there. But it still got me closer to, and it, everything is like constantly getting me like closer to well, the path. That's one the hopes, goal. One hopes. One yeah. hopes, right. Yes. If you're being honest with yourself, yeah. you know if you're on your path or if you're on a slightly parallel but not quite it path. I, found, I was thinking about this very yeah. thing this morning, thinking uh, uh, that my, one of my uh, perceived issues with uh, way, the way that I move through life is that I go through many paths all at once. Yes. And therefore, it's maybe difficult to... Because to, I've talked to so many people who say, well, I was excited by this at a young age, and then I did this, and then I did this, and now I'm doing exactly that thing, you know, at the... You know, say, well, that's wonderful for you. Well, and how linear and cool. Wonderful that it happens. <laughs> Inspiring. But the fact that I'm kind of going down many different avenues all at once, and then I kind of end up with parts of myself at the end of each one of those things. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I think, confusing. <laughs> I so relate to that. As somebody who's currently, like where I am right now, I would say I have, there are a lot of lanes going that I'm I'm partially committed to. I would say I'm fully committed to my life, but my commitments are kind of dispersed over several freeway lanes or something, yeah. highway lanes. And so, like for instance, right now, I currently have an OT client, a private OT client that I work with. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also doing life coaching with a, full a few clients. And I'm also, occasionally, I'm still doing stand-up. I still perform, and yep. I love performing. Um, and I'm also writing a book. And my, my attention is very, uh, it's divided. Everything that I'm doing still feels aligned with who I am, but I do know that there's like, a way that I could double down and commit harder to the paths that I really want. And it's right. really just up to me to decide what I really want to commit to. And it involves saying no to things that I love. That's that's difficult. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's saying no to practical things that, that are very challenging to say no to. Income streams, family. Right. <laughs> like, and you see people that do it. And yeah. they, they choose not to have some of those other things. God, God has blessed them that they can go forward that way. Mm. But the way that certain <laughs> things have evolved, you know, it's, uh, you know, now it's like a coral system where everything's built up and we're supporting different kinds of life here now. It's hard to just change direction yeah. and uh, or, or focus on only one aspect of what it is. Anyway, getting back to your trajectory, uh, we'll, I, th I imagine this will remain live throughout the conversation of thinking about how those things all relate. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so you were in uh, unhappy with uh, where things were on uh, so, that uh, oh, spirit going, quest of New York? Of, coming uh, to New York, yeah. I went through like a big breakup that kind of catalyzed a paradigm shift yep. where I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not really... I was kind of like waiting for uh, that part of my life to like solidify before I did my life, right? Like I was like, oh, great. We're going to probably get married and have kids and then we can move somewhere and then I can start my real dreams. I can really go after my – and it was this huge wake-up call that was like, wow, okay, there's a lot of ways that I'm not living in alignment with my – what I want. Right. And so, yeah, that was, I was very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for all the things that like, you know, shake things up a bit. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So coming to New York was a huge, like I was really keeping a promise I made to myself because I had been in Los Angeles my entire life. And this was like my, yeah, like I'm going to do it. I'm going on my own. This I, was the leap. This was the leap. Yes. Yeah, the first one. That's right. Yeah. I actually had a blog called KDB Takes a Leap. You can't uh. find it. It's not. <laughs> but it's true. Well, there this it was is. the first leap. And then it was uh, three years later, it was kind of time to make another leap. And I was working with a life coach at the time who really helped me. I love coaching because it's it's not about there's no higher. There's no hierarchy. It's just somebody being present with you. Yeah. And just listening to what you're actually saying, right? Because you are the CEO of your life. I like to think so. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you you kind of need some advisors, but like, not even advice. Like, they're not people giving you advice. They're just literally reflecting what it is you believe and what you think. Yes. So this process really helped me in so many ways. But one one of the biggest ways was like identifying what my my specific values are. Yeah. And 
that was what gave me this like aha moment of like, oh, it is okay to live a life that is in line with what these values are, with my specific set of of what I um what I believe, not just the beliefs I've inherited from like, you know, living in this culture and in the family that I grew up in and with all of the, you know, kind of systematic beliefs that have sort of been laid on my consciousness, but like, oh, what actually resonates with my spirit? Spirit quest. Hey, hashtag yeah. spirit quest. <laughs> <laughs> and and, what, and you, you mentioned your family. Are they embracing of this uh, uh, change in uh, trajectory, change in direction? Are they, they generally into that kind of a thing? Generally, historically, <laughs> I would say. Historically, no. But now, yes, yes. because they've seen the ways in which I light up when I am doing what I want. I mean, but it's, but it scares the shit out of them because they're like, are we, do we say bad words on this podcast? <laughs> you're, you're free to speak. Yeah. Well, okay. thanks, Dale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's part of the conditioning. I'm like, oh God, I said a bad word. No, no, it's okay. You can tell what my upbringing was like. I was like, I have to do no, I don't work blue, but uh, if you, if you need to. <laughs> I need to. I it's need okay. To, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's not my general inclination to do it uh, unless I'm very upset about something, mm. like a repair or something at home. But uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh, that's interesting because I usually say, do I say bad words when I'm – I yeah, I think I'm – I don't know. This is my interpretation of me, which is clouded by my interpretations. Sure. Um, <laughs> but I think – I think it's fun for people to watch me get mad about stuff because I don't usually get mad. And so yeah. I think it's fun for me to swear. <laughs> I bet it would be amusing to see uh, me get upset, too. I bet it would be. Yeah. yeah you seem like someone you could who could. Pretty even keeled. Yes. I'll tell you that. I it believe ta- it. It takes a bit to get a rise out of me. All right. Well, let's take that as a challenge. Unless it's plumbing. Oh. Some kind of issue like that. I don't know. I can go right to, to rage pretty quickly. Straight to rage. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Plumbing. that's mm. a lived-in thing. That was a passed down from my father, who I, I only ever really uh, hear swear right. about uh, plumbing as well. It's generational uh, trauma. Anyway. I understand, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, just to, because I'm curious, were you pursuing comedy in L.A.? Was there some kind of uh, entertainment uh, uh, pressure there or uh, no? There was pressure. Interesting word choice but yes there well, was I mean, in that culture i've lived there i know what it's like everybody's kind of uh, mm. zipping this way and that uh, and if you're in comedy or you're in sort of entertainment if the thought is even in your idea in your head uh, you may think oh this could go somewhere mm. that little bit of poison mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i could be something which is helpful in some cases but sometimes can be damaging and in that place uh, is especially especially hard yeah it was well growing up L.A. is so interesting to me because it's for me, it's home. So I and by L.A., I mean Glendale. That's where I grew up. But I went to (laughs) I went to USC and that was more of like, oh, this is L.A. I get it. And um, I've been doing I've been doing improv since high school. And so that's my real comedy background is Uh um, is actually comedy sports. I did that in high school. And then I also was on the the team in L.A. Um, throughout college and after college. And then I was actually even performing here in New York uh, on comedy sports. But, yeah, and yeah, I would do like other long form shows. I, it was mostly an improv. Uh, improv was my main outlet. <clears throat> and I really, yeah, I really loved it, but I've always felt like I wasn't doing enough and I wasn't good enough. And I knew I was capable of a lot more than I was like, giving myself the space to do there fair enough yeah yeah but yeah yeah and so uh and and you you take the leap something you had the breakup and that didn't work out then you come to new york and and you say okay here it is this is uh, this is the chance and uh you get involved in some of the same things you have all the avenues open to you you may run down a few of them at the same time figure things out and then what happens to say okay now i got to get to the jungle Got to get to the jungle. Okay, love it. Well, you know, a huge part of this was uh, recovering from an eating disorder. And it was, you know, and that's a whole, that's a whole different avenue, which I'm happy to talk about. But like, uh, it started, it started when I was in LA. And 
you know, it's interesting because it was this this thing that kind of followed me everywhere. And it was like the the thing I was kind of tried to, I don't know, just keep quiet. You know, you don't you don't want to tell people you're struggling. I wasn't even aware that I was struggling with this. Like yeah. on it, it kind of looked like for a long time, it looked like uh, restricting what I was eating, just kind of like calorie counting obsessively and like over exercising. But you know, you live in LA and it's like, well, this is what everyone does. Like this just, it's so normalized. Right. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a pulse of just doing that. There, totally. Yeah. Right. I'm like, yeah. oh, well this must be yeah, like, okay, 90% of my thoughts are about what I'm going to eat later or what I ate this morning. This must be what all, this is just what hot people think, right? Like, this is how you maintain a body. Like, how else do you live in a body if you're not thinking about this the whole time? Right. It's like, oh, well, maybe your body has some wisdom you could tap into. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, cut to the jungle. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, really. And then, well, another similarly to the big breakup paradigm shift, I also developed bulimia. And that, for the first time, was a flag that was red enough to get my attention, right? Like that was... Is that separate than the other eating disorder or that is the eating disorder? That is the first time I recognized the That's fact... the time it had a name. That I, yes, I was like, oh, this has a diagnosis, which okay. is actually very common for people who have disordered relationships with food. A lot of times there's you know, this belief, like, I'm not sick enough. I don't actually have a disorder. Whereas, like, the kind of orthorexia, which means obsession with, like, healthy eating, for instance, mm -hmm. um, like, that that qualifies as a disorder. Really, any having any sort of tenuous relationship with food qualifies you as having an eating disorder. Or you, you don't have to prove your diagnostic criteria by meeting certain standards right it's like if you feel if your experience is that you feel like not at home in your body and not comfortable around food that's all you need to know to like get some support and move through that what if someone feels too comfortable around food <laughs> too comfortable well my guess is if you think it's too comfortable then you're you're harboring a subconscious belief yes. that this is not correct right i see there's a little judgment implied there isn't right there? Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. okay um and so uh, did you have did you find you found some kind of uh is treatment the right word uh, some kind of uh, therapeutic uh, way through that yes it's it do was... you ever come through it i don't know these are genuine questions these are great questions. Yeah, it, it was really a journey, as all things are, of yes. recovery. And um, yeah, and it started, it went through like several phases. Like at first I was really trying to muscle my way through recovery of like, well, okay, I'm going to make a sticker chart and give myself a sticker every time I don't do this thing. I was like, I really want to get better, you know, yeah. but it's kind of like you you can't do it alone. And I was trying to do it alone in this very like stubborn, isolated way. And I mean, it, it just making me think now, like I'm so passionate about talking about this journey because the most debilitating part of it was feeling like I was completely alone and I couldn't share about it because I was like afraid of hurting someone else by letting them know I was struggling or by yeah, that was kind of the fear was like I didn't want to – I didn't even necessarily care how I was perceived consciously, but I mm -hmm. did. I wanted to protect other people from this like darkness, this shadow. And as you know from all of your shadow work, I'm sure you've done, it's important Absolutely. to shine a light on those shadows. That's true. That is very true. But, you know, I, I bet that uh, it, it's been uh, – it hasn't something hasn't been something that's come up, I think, in discussions Uh that I, I don't think anyone's addressed it head on. And probably that's because I haven't been necessarily seeking it out. Why would I? Uh, but to try to also say, well, let's get back. Let's talk about this path or that path. But I'm very uh, open to talking about it. And I would, I'm, I'm happy that you're sharing it with me uh, and with us. Um, but it's true that there's that, that, oh, gosh, okay, let's protect this. Let's not talk about that. But yeah. indeed, you do have to shine the light on it. Uh, for sure. And I bet lots of people, I know lots of people go through some form of this. As you said, it can be many different relationships to food, which we have to deal with every day. 100%. Absolutely. And body and image is real. 
and affects everybody across genders and in between. 100%. Right. Yes. If you are a human being, you have a relationship to food and you have a relationship to your body. And I find that it's a mirror for every other relationship you have in your life. Like your relationship Mm -hmm. to life can really be seen through your relationship with food, right? Like if I'm restricting what I'm eating and like being really controlled, it means I want to have more control in life. Like instead of I feel out of control in my life, I feel uncomfortable with the uncertainty that is the only constant we have. But there's this natural human fear that comes up when it's like things are not going my way or they might not go my way. And then as a desire, as a way of coping with that, um, for me, like food and my body was my scapegoat. So I would try to obsessively control how my body looked and how my food um, and what I was eating and and how I was exercising um, in order to have this like faux sense of control in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and so in this way too, the way that it's a mirror, like food might not be your thing, but maybe, you know, maybe alcohol or maybe scrolling on social media, which is like all of us do those things. You know, like there's sure. little subtle ways that we're like, soothing ourselves and this isn't even to judge those this isn't to judge like oh god you're being unconscious around food it's just like uh bringing bringing consciousness to the patterns is like introduces an element of choice when you're about to like engage in one of those behaviors that might be like a coping mechanism so instead of feeling a compulsion to do a certain thing, like a compulsion to scroll through social media, knowing that it's a way that you're coping is just like, okay, well, this can be the way that I cope today. It becomes a choice rather than a compulsion. Yeah, well, that's a powerful uh, message. Yes, because uh, if there's some intention behind it, then, then maybe it's – or just awareness. It doesn't have to be intent. Then it's awareness that you're, that you're yeah. making that decision in that moment. Totally. Yeah. I didn't really answer. I'm really, this is like I could get on a million soapboxes. No, no, this no. Is, could be the interview of a million soapboxes. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. And, and, and I mean, I'm just thinking through and trying to balance my own uh, issues around it, checking in with myself as we go through it. Because it takes like one bad uh, Mindy photograph to just send you, uh, to send me <laughs> into a tizzy. And then my, mm. my reaction to that is to, uh, well, it doesn't matter. Just to like kind of like, poke at it a little bit to mm-hmm. maybe do to, to, to do some of those bad behaviors, but like do it a little bit more. And I always have to check in with that impulse to be like, well, you know, if uh, you, I'm going to still do, I'm still going to drink or I'm still going to eat this pint of ice cream, yeah. whatever it happens to be, even though I know how it feels to look at myself and think, really, you gained like 30 pounds since, uh, you know. <laughs> You know, so many years ago, you mm. could you could do it. You 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 know you could. What's that feeling in your heart right there? Feels a little tight. Maybe just lose the, you know. And uh, I come from a place of just obsessing uh, over the weight um, mm. uh, from family members doing that, mm. and uh, that being passed down to me. And I still do. I feel weird every time I pull out the scale and look at it, and and yeah. it, and I do it almost every day. It's a constant like check in kind of a thing. Anyway, so that's what that's what I'm uh, cycling through as I'm hearing all these uh, things and and about checking in with yourself on the yeah. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that. I think that that's like so important. Like how many I used to check. I used to weigh myself multiple times a day because like yeah. you know you have to if you work out you have to like get completely naked, go to the bathroom, hopefully poop, and then weigh yourself right. And then you're like, this is the real weight that I am. <laughs> right. And what do we think that number is going to tell us, yeah. right? Because I'm basically asking, I'm saying, like, okay, magic scale, magic eight ball scale. Like, what should I, what should I believe about myself today? Yeah. And it's almost like no matter what the number is, I'll use it as an excuse to feel however I need to feel about myself. Right. Right. It either means you can have something else or you can't have something else or, gosh, I feel I feel great. I'm going to go uh, try on some shirts at Nordstrom Rack. Yes. Or uh, <laughs> <laughs> <gonna> go try. <laughs> what a dream. Or, you know, what or, a dream to have. Forget it. I, I, I don't deserve anything. I'm going to just big. finish the pint of ice cream. That, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a constant kind of a thing. It's right. And then if, oh my gosh, if you try a relative scale or something. Oh, that a thing relative is relative like, scale. Yeah, diff- I just, Does I, it round an up? Unfamiliar, an oh, unfamiliar. Oh, a relative scale. scale. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. 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 Some other. Some other scale. And you're like, I'm and five pounds more on this. Right. Thing? Right. No, it can't be. 
you go to the doctor and you're like, no, 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 That's I demand a recount. One. That's the worst one. I don't know what that measurement is in. But when you have to slide the thing over I think and then you ca- keep sliding the thing, then they have to move the other one to like <laughs> And then you, you like lap yourself with the <laughs> tens and the and you're just like, Oh God, why? let me take off my clothes. It's the only place where you say, Let me just get naked first here and away you my shoes, my wallet. This is an unfair thing here. You know, I don't need to wear socks on this thing that millions of people have stepped on. These are heavy socks. That's right. Take me off my belt. Like, give me basic airport security weight. I had a doctor once who would just subtract five pounds from your. She's like, oh, yeah, we'll just just subtract five pounds for your clothes. And I'm like, thank you so much. Yeah, give me the name of that person. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's so funny. Uh, It's true. Yeah, well, it's active. Especially any, and I understand it when you have people that are in front of the camera or have to see themselves or weigh the, or have themselves photographed, without even knowing that all the manipulation that can happen with that. I understand what it's, and sometimes you see the photos, like I said, and you just think, "Gosh, mm. <laughs> it's like a different body." Right. Or you're not seeing. Yeah. I mean, oh, man, we could talk about this for a long time. <laughs> like, well. but, but yeah, we can we can reroute. But I just I yeah, I just want to say, like, there is recovery possible from that. Like yeah. as somebody who did that. So and it's like I'm so grateful, actually, just having this conversation right now, because it's a, just a checkpoint of like I can authentically say I do not weigh myself and I don't care. Like I I actually specifically I, I went to the doctor recently and sometimes I ask not to see what my weight is, mm-hmm. but I've kind of gotten to a different place with it now where it's like I'm okay with seeing it and I also know that I don't want that to influence how I feel about myself. So it's almost like I dare myself to look, right? I'm like, yeah. okay, let's see if let's see if you really can be weight neutral about it. like let's see where my Fears, you know, I can actually watch the fears now instead of just being controlled by them. I can like watch the thoughts, watch the fears. And so I happen to know that I currently weigh something I weighed when I hated myself. When I hated my size, I would, I was like, and I should say, you know, this is an audio thing, but like technically I'm, I, I, I have thin privilege, which is to say, you know, sometimes people in larger bodies are discriminated against in our society. Completely. Yeah. Fat phobia is like completely systematically in, ingrained in our culture. Yeah. And I've never had to deal with any sort of bullying, abuse, anything from external sources. I just beat myself up about my size, about not feeling right in my body. Right. And it's like a miracle to me that I can be here in a weight that I used to lie about for years and years and years and, you know, and just be like, be okay. Like, you know, the little blips come up here and there, but they're just nothing depend like compared to when that narrative was somehow running my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, we're only here for a little bit of time (laughs) on this planet. Getting shorter with the virus. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. We're in this plastic bag, <laughs> our respective plastic bags together. That's right. Yes. No, there's not the, there's there's that energy can be better used. One hundred percent. And it's and and also, that's it sucks to hear that when you're in it too. I oh, hate, I bet. I bet it does. Yeah. 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 So I, I always hesitate to like say that, but like to say that there's hope and there's recovery possible and. One can only There's say that amazing... on this side of the things. And I don't yeah. know that I'm on this side of the things, but I would think, you know, we, we only have this yeah. limited resource. My gosh, uh, fi- find a, d- a way to uh, direct it. Right. That's exactly, <laughs> so, it's yeah. like, it's, I kind of see it as this, it's all creative energy, actually. Yes. And so it's like funnel, the way we funnel it is once we become aware of how we're funneling our energy, you know, it's just inc- like introducing the awareness, then helps you choose the the path that you want to kind of funnel it into. Absolutely. There's no judgment for leaking the energy, but there is a way to just start. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. Soapbox. No, no, no. It's, 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 <laughs> it's important. And, and uh, it's something that resonates uh, with me, too. And that's something I, I do think about probably more than I should. So I have to work on my own uh, directing, redirecting. <laughs> 
you yeah. know, put up some kind of a dam of some kind to. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Just just build a dam. That's cur- Lock that's very myself off completely. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's courageous to admit that. Well, and in and in doing that, you're already rerouting a lot of it. I think if uh, the fashion industry and the clothing people uh, made better clothes for uh, b- bigger people. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't consider myself super big, but I also know that sometimes I have to buy a size that doesn't make me feel great <laughs> when yes. there's this many X's onto something. And then it's also not flattering. It's not cut right in the shoulders. It's, not, it's too th- slim fit is the death of me. You know, all these things. Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to look. Like everybody else, and instead you have people with big T-shirts, or you're left with dwindling options. Right, you know, just blue shirts. <laughs> right, there's only here is this like size patterns. to this size. You only I like patterns. <laughs> I like to be colorful. Yes, uh, it would be just a boost to the confidence. Anyhow, uh, uh, the jungle. Yeah. Get us there. Let's get us there. Okay. All right. So I'm here. I have discovered that there's more to life than well, food and also comedy. I mean, I'm, I, I'm having a, mm, I think I'm feeling a lack of purpose because I'm not feeling super focused in my comedy. And I am way more passionate about this, this freedom that I found in recovery. And this, you know, it just felt like, okay, I'm really connecting to something that's a bit more, or it's, it's just pulling me in a different direction. I I barely know how to articulate it because it wasn't, it wasn't as if, okay, well, I'm going to go get Reiki certified. And that's the answer to that. It was just like, I knew comedy wasn't, wasn't stretching me in the way that it had been stretching me. Mm -hmm like doing stand-up comedy, for instance. And I knew that I needed to be growing and expanding. Those are two of my values I discovered through yeah. coaching. Yes. I, and I and I realized, oh my God, I just want to go, I want to go out into the world and grow in a way where I don't know what, how I'm going to develop. I don't, I, I want to go throw myself against any new situation and just see what happens, kind of decontextualize my life and see what's left when I give away all my earthly possessions. And when I'm just me showing up somewhere new that where no one knows me, no one has an idea of who I am and um, learn about myself and learn about the world using life as my classroom. Yes. And and so so much the opposite impulse I would think from stand up, which is mining the current experience, uh, being kind of judgmental to things that are happening as you go through. At least as I see it, maybe mm. uh, it's different for other people. But uh, that kind of like insular, getting to that five minutes of uh, perfectly crafted things that function in a very specific way, and you have to get it that way, or it does to be more open to see how things all the potential of something. Good and bad, mm. not just your own personal take on it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's cool that you use that analogy because I see them as the exact same process, except with stand-up, it's like exploring the universe within yourself. And then, yeah, with, the, with travel, it's like exploring that universe as it, as it comes, as it comes through you, I guess, or. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful, right? Because we're each there is a universe inside of you, right? It's not even yeah. this like selfish thing. It's actually like quite a service to the rest of the world to mine the dark corners of our <laughs> of our personalities, of the the beings that we are. Yeah. That's why comedians are brave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing a real service to society. Oh yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, but it was, it was kind of like making my life an improv scene and, and kind of continuing that process while also doing it externally. And I like that. Good. Yeah. 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 Able to draw in some uh, familiar experience Mm. uh, to, to then receive new ones. So uh, where did, why did, where did you choose to go? So I started out, I, I had saved up a lot of money, I should say. A lot of people wonder, like, how did you afford how to do it, to, to do this? Yeah. Um, so my plan was to volunteer where I went. I, I did um, 
a lot of Workaway. That's an, a website called workaway.info. And it's this uh, travel volunteer website where they basically you can create a profile as a volunteer or as a host mm-hmm. and you get to it's almost like a dating site for hosts and volunteers to meet each other so if there's an area of the world you want to go to you can search who is looking for help in exchange for room and board in that particular country or region wow. and so i did a lot of this i had such the open-endedness of my plans were kind of daunting but also exciting you know it's much easier if you're like well i want to go to this country and i just had like one of my best friends is does a lot of solo travel and she highly recommended i go to iceland mostly she said the way she plans her trips is by booking it or thinking of the place she wants to go and then seeing where the layover is and instead flying to that place so that she can then go to the you can always still go on you can keep like going on experience there kind of a, a break-in period yeah yeah it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. this surprise where should i go so my my layover that turned into a month and a half was in iceland beautiful the best the best have you been i was there last year oh, and amazing. just just fantastic mm. and we really did the tours and this and that and you know, I rolled a snowmobile on the glacier and we rode the horse and all that kind of stuff. But it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And I, I would go again and I would love to explore it more than just the kind of, I mean, we really stayed pretty central there. So In Reykjavik? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Only for a week. So you have to kind of maximize your, your time there. Right. But gosh. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I always tell people if, if you're going to Iceland, like, you know, you can easily do any of those tours or just rent a car and like drive around because the country is a tourist attraction like it's but it's just beautiful like you just the desolate nature of like driving around in those like gorgeous mountains and you just find like a little house like who lives in that house (laughs) and then there's it's a yeah it's amazing and those cute horses oh yeah they're, they're wonderful um the thing that I did find a little bit troubling yeah. uh, and, 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 and could prevent me from maybe living there, I'd probably not. <laughs> Let's be honest, it would be fine, uh, was the, the lack of animals. I'm not a real animal person. I'm not like, ask anybody. I'm not real high on domesticated animals. Let's put it that way. Uh-huh. But I appreciate their life force and the fact that there mm. really are nothing, <laughs> there's nothing there. It, it gets yeah. a little, it, it, it made it feel emptier than uh, I'm normally used to. Normally, I like dense forests, you know, yeah. full of things that are uh, rising and falling. They're and, like, we're too cold. <laughs> we're right, not going to live right. here. But uh, oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of sheep and horses, but they're yeah, but there's nothing really native there, as I understand it. Maybe a fox mm. or something. But they all the Vikings brought everything in. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's why there's they're... some seals. There's a lot of like ocean life. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, there's not a lot of land life. <laughs> yeah. Land life is all important. Yeah. And you got to be very careful with those little horses. They can't get sick because they don't have any uh, immune uh, uh, systems to prevent because they didn't mix with anything else. Yeah. Anyway, it's a spectacular place to be. It is. <laughs> it's the real point of it. Yeah. And what a, a beautiful entry into exploring the world to just be in a place that has. Everything there with these spectacular uh, volcanic uh, places and glaciers and, ooh, yes. Truly. Yes, it was setting the bar very high. It's Yeah, it's it's magnificent. Still not a jungle, though, Katie. No, we have to get, got to get you to the jungle. All right, then we go to Europe. I basically started this trip with my training wheels on. I was like, let's just start in Europe and then work our way to Asia. And that was... Fun. I mean, it was good, but I was like, why am I not in Asia? Like, I want to have this. I knew what I was looking for, and yeah. it's not really in Europe. But, you know, I was kind of like, let's have this very Buddhist experience in Europe. Um, and, <laughs> and because what you were looking for was uh, specifically something far outside your comfort zone, it was the, the uh, where Buddhism is practiced. What was the thing that was driving you to be in that environment? Well... Generally, I was, um, let me think. It was mostly a quest to know myself better and to just show up fully in the world. So 
you know, Europe wasn't bad for that at all. But yeah. I just, I was like, oh, there's different, like, it's just still the Western world. And I know the Eastern world has a different approach to everything. And You know how you function in this environment. How I already, would I function there? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, um, yeah, that was a, the first leg of my journey was definitely Europe based. And it was so much fun. Like I, I kind of would like meet up with friends and then also, and I was, I was writing the entire time, but I wasn't really, it was interesting because I felt I had this vision that I would be blogging and sharing everything and publishing podcasts really frequently. And I was like, I really found that I was more, it just felt vulnerable to do that. I was like, I need, I'm still cooking. I'm, I'm like understanding. I'm really like uncovering things here that I don't feel it would feel inauthentic to just share this because it's not like maybe not inauthentic. It would feel too soon or something or like, um, yeah, yeah. It also feels like maybe it would be in betrayal of your journey or your or what you're experiencing because sure. you're then like packaging it in some way. Exactly, exactly. And that always feels weird. Yeah, it was like one hundred percent. And as a comedian, I'm sure you relate to this, where it's like something happens to me, and then so quickly I'm like, how am I going to tell people about this? And it's it was this like being able to really stretch out the distance between those two points and just be with myself and my experience was what I one of the things that I came to learn as I was traveling and that was a real someone in in Iceland said to me as I was like hanging out at this very fun bar where there was a lot of there's like a piano player there's always piano players in Iceland like in the (laughs) acuity which is the northern capital it's a, it's very fun. Like, not that there's a lot of these little cities with people. There's not a lot of animals or people in yes. Iceland. But, um, and then this this guy was like, "It's as if you're a, it's as if you're a, an a journal, an investigatory journalist taking notes about your life or like trying to have a cultural experience." And I was like, "Yes, you totally see me." <laughs> and then I was like, "Wow, it is like, am I living my life as if I'm a." like an anthropologist observing myself or am I actually in it? Am I actually like allowing myself to like let go and just be, be a human? Yeah. It's so hard to do. Yeah. Until you do it. Until you do it. And then you're like, and then you are like, I'm doing it. And then you're like, fuck, I stopped doing it. Oh, see, I did a bad word again. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, when you're, once you get to a place that has more uh, plant life, Plant life, the jungle. <laughs> yes. Um, what are you? Are you tuned into the wisdom of plants? Are you uh, seeking out uh, experiences with various uh, medicinal things? Are you um, asking about plant medicine? No, just kidding. I am asking about, but further, plant yeah. intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's... Did you read that book about the plants? No. Oh. But I've. <laughs> you should. Okay. It's good. I be- I believe it. Yeah. yeah I, I do believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I got to, I mean, yeah, it's hard to sort of summarize my relationship with plants in a, in a word. I understand. I <laughs> understand. my, or in a sentence, uh, yeah, but getting to, I went to Thailand first. That was like my first, um, well, first I went to Israel, which was outside of Europe, yeah. but then I went to Thailand and yeah, it, it's interesting how the nervous system just relaxes in that place. For me, that was my experience. And in, in uh, Thailand, in Thailand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also in Bali, like there's not only is it, it's, it's so hard to describe, especially if to people who've only experienced life in the United States, um, because this, this difference and that's not to say nothing bad about it but it's like the visceral experience of being in a place that has a different energy than here or than what I've known my entire life yeah um this wasn't my first time going to Thailand but I it was stark like just the that that was able to happen there Uh um and sounds much needed Yes. That exhale. That exhale. 100%. Yeah. 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 Totally. 
Because it's like, oh, at the end of the day, being relaxed in our bodies, in our lives, like, is so important. But that's not a value here. No. In America. I'm talking about, I'm talking about here is in America. But Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, I remember the first time I realized that inner peace could be a goal was like mind blowing. And I was like, no, well, duh. It's like something I've taken for granted. I'm like, peace is dumb. Like, why would you want that? You can have that anytime. Right. <laughs> but I can only <laughs> fulfill my dreams of being a hilarious comedian. Yeah. Right. right. Now. right. Yeah. So were you doing workshops? Were you were you uh, seeking out uh, uh, teachers over there? Yeah. So I did. I was working as a volunteer at a yoga teacher training. So I did a lot of yoga i've done yoga a lot throughout the course of my life yeah um and specifically it's interesting because this entire time i was kind of like learning to be my own teacher like learning to listen to my inner guide as what i needed to do next um and so i i did i also worked at this ecstatic dance that's something i've actually done in new york city and i still do it here um but i also discovered have you ever done it no well not uh not intentionally. No. <laughs> we could do it right now. I mean, I've been at some weddings and things where things got a little wild. Things got a little wild. It's <laughs> so fun. Yes. Is it that different? <laughs> it's it's very similar, except you're not allowed to talk. So it's okay. ecstatic dance is like a conscious dance party where there's a DJ guiding a sound experience. Oh, oh yes. And you just move your body however uh, you feel called to, however. And, and, and you what's might. the music? Is it uh, like an ambient a space, a sound space that uh, you're uh, traveling through? What is the <gasps> no? There's beats. There are some beats. There okay. are some definite beats. Not a um, lot of lyrics other than chanting. There's there no. There sometimes are lyrics, but it's more it's more okay. about the rhythm. It's more about like actually, yeah. It's hard to remember like if there's words. The words don't say, it's not like, oh, I love this song. It's like, oh, we're riding this wave. Yes, yes. And there's a whole journey you can go through. What's the temperature in the room? Increasingly warm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can wear anything? Loose-fitting trousers preferred? Uh, sure. Sure. Okay. You can wear whatever whatever you want. Oh, I'll check it out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, sold. Sounds, sounds nice. All right, great. As long as I can wear loose fitting trousers. <laughs> you are you are and welcome. It's not too warm. Come no, as you are. Fine. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really wonderful, and I love because you can also, it it really like excites the improviser in me because there's, there are opportunities to dance with other people, but it doesn't come from like this weird stilted like let us dance with each other it's like oh you kind of feel when you're like you might catch someone's eye and you're both like moving in the same way and then maybe you like join together for a little bit and then you're like okay that's enough and it's (laughs) you can if someone wants to dance with you you can just like put your hands in like a prayer shape in front of your chest and just be like no thank you and non-verbally and then go back to just dancing with yourself i'm gonna use that a little bit more throughout my life (laughs) We all need a little bit of this. Like, Someone no. approaches, no thank you. Yes, <laughs> yeah. own your no, that's thank right. you. Right. <laughs> uh, well, so that sounds, and doing that in uh, Thailand? Excited in Thailand, dance? yes. Boy, and that sounds amazing. And and as I was volunteering for that festival, there was an ecstatic yeah. dance festival, which had all of these, it was actually perfect because it was like this sampler platter of all of these different modalities. There was breath work. There was um, different like twirling, different kinds of yoga, meditation, moving meditation, Osho meditation. There was like so many different modalities there. It was highly overwhelming as somebody who's naturally Vata. Do you ever talk about Ayurveda? I, I don't. No. I'm not really just like laying things on you. Yeah. But I <laughs> I can talk about that in a second, which is just because I'm reading a book about it right yeah. now that it's yeah. top of mind. But I'm very airy. Yeah. And so having a festival like this, like completely, I was just like very high the whole week and was just, it was wonderful, but also very ungrounding at the same time. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So had to integrate that for a while. Still am. Like, I would imagine. Truly. Like, I yeah. still am integrating this this whole trip. I thought I was going to come back and, like, pop out and eat, pray, love really quick. And I was just like, <laughs> no, no, I got to live for a while. I got to live <laughs> my life. Well, speaking of that, so yeah. uh, you get back, uh, and is the adjustment difficult? Are you still doing you, – are you finding uh, it's informed comedy now in a different way? 
Yeah, How definitely. How could it not? How could it not? Yeah. Yeah. So coming back, I, I've sort of embraced a lot of the parts of, you know, like part of part of traveling and what my goal in cultivating, or my goal was to cultivate like a real lived experience of non-attachment. And so it's interesting to like carry that with me or just to see what I am attached to here. You know, it's easier to be non-attached when you're creating new attachments constantly, you know? And um, one of the reasons I came back when I did was that I knew I could keep going. This isn't like, oh, my trip is over and now it's the rest of my life. It's like, oh, this is part of my my life. And at any point I can keep, I, I feel like I'm meant to be here to remind other people that this is all a game. Like this is all, it's almost like you're waking up in a dream and you get to just do anything you want. Like you're waking up in a dream and you get to do anything you want. That's what life is, right? And so that's my yeah I feel I feel much closer to my purpose you know in that like oh like I don't need to get sucked into the stories that like we are being like there's just stories being pumped through us like constantly right and I kind of have like discovered more of what my my value is or my my purpose is to just help people wake up from the stories that aren't serving them and and have fun like it's just more fun when you don't feel it's just like very simple yeah options are fun options are fun (laughs) being present is fun I feel like regardless that's what it really struck me honestly like doing all these workshops and stuff I'm like you guys should just take an improv class. Like <laughs> that's what you're trying to do. It's like, you know, all this eye gazing you're doing all this like tantric, um, you know, experiencing of like the moment. And it's like, yeah, everyone is just using all of these different routes to get to presence. Yeah. And so there's to no be in a wrong place way where to you're, uh, uh, Ironic that I'm interrupting you to say this, but uh, in a place where you're uh, uh, listening and being listened to, Exactly. Yeah. And you're not interrupting. You're just adding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're building. Yes, and I appreciate Yes, that. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, that ties in nicely uh, as we as we come to a close uh, to the podcast that you have, Showing Up Messy. Yes, which yes. is which is probably shifting. Okay. Um because as I've recently been informed, I don't need the word messy associated with my identity, which is true. Sure. Well, why not? But I do support showing up messy and however you are. Well, to me, it suggests show up as you are. Exactly. Show yeah. up as you are, yeah. which is obviously messy because we're human beings. Yes. 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 That's a given. <laughs> that is a given. <laughs> yeah. Show me the person that's not. If you're not a human being, yeah. that's great. But like, how did you get a hold of this podcast? And are you understanding <laughs> it? Are you a gorilla? Right. Wait, are you a gorilla? Just be... Be honest with that. That's a whole other podcast. That is a whole other Are you a gorilla? Why don't we make podcasts for gorillas? I think that's a whole thing. How do we um, know they don't? That's very... Oh. I don't know what's going on. We don't know there. what happens in those caves. <laughs> uh, so that may shift. Maybe it's called something different, but you're still... You, the 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 takeaway for me is that you are are still operating at a number of these things. Maybe you've drawn those paths closer together, mm-hmm. but you have the book project coming along. You're still this impulse to share the information to, yes. to give people a little bit of access, uh, not necessarily permission, but just a kind of an invitation to say experience all of these things. Totally, yeah. yes, that is my intention and goal. So yeah, if you wanted to find me, you could find me on. I guess, well, Instagram is a good place to be. That's how we are connected. That's true. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I, I And you were so nice to send me a little uh, uh, boost. Uh, you were offering free uh, uh, encouragement uh, yes. through, through, through the stories. And I said, gosh, I don't know if I want to keep going. And you said, sure, go ahead. You said, sure, go ahead. And you're like, okay, great. Do you want to be on my podcast? Like, that would be lovely. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, I'm glad that you, that, that worked out. I'm glad this worked out. And it's so, so I feel like we could keep talking for a long, long time. But, uh, uh, and perhaps we will. 
Yeah. But as far as this moment goes, uh, that's it. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Dale. This was so lovely. Continued success in everything you're doing. And same to you. Friends. Friends. I get teary just thinking about how much I want that conversation to continue. But boundaries are good. And knowing where to stop is also a powerful choice. So let's exercise that decision and agree to end this episode. Now, I would suggest that if you'd like to come see me live, and by all means, it's a fun time, uh, our next show is scheduled right now for Wednesday, April 22nd at 8 p.m. at the Slipper Room. Now, as with everything else, we don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I'm a little bit on the side of caution with the virus right now, uh, and uh, I've canceled some things already. This uh, may also become a victim to that. Uh, right now we're pressing on, although time will tell if that's a good idea, or according to my late-night panic scrolls through Twitter, the worst idea. So uh, right now, tentatively, uh, put that in as a possible thing to do and uh, you know, an opportunity to wear your masks outdoors. Ah, the gloriousness of not knowing. Embrace it, but wash your hands after. Till next time, remember that although this night is ending, we hope, we must hope, that a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced and performed by James Bewley, Season 12 podcast icon illustrated by Lars Litaro, Deep Night Season 12 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the episode is provided by the talented roster at Haller Hills Farm in Ohio. Production studio space provided by Harvestworks here in New York City. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or tune in on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thank you for listening, and this season... I encourage you all to leave your portals open.